Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to talk to Jeff Timblin or JT about his journey in multiplying movements. He's a local church pastor in Long Beach, California. Planted 20 years ago in Long Beach, California, and we are a missional church in a lot of ways and uh, global. We're kind of known for that. My heart has always been nations. Uh, the heart of our leadership has been nations, and we I believe a lot of our people in our church community were sharing the gospel and it, with people, but uh, we were never doing that as a church. And so, um, but. We were heavy involved in, in different parts of the world, specifically um, Ethiopia is kind of the beginning of our movement story. And so we went down to southern Ethiopia where there were no identified churches in the villages. And we started using church planting um, principles for about 10 years. We were doing that and we saw multiplication happen and we adapted our, our approach over the years in different ways. And we were doing four fields. We had no idea what that was. We had no idea what that you know, what the terminology was, but we were learning what we what we knew, and working really with leadership. And so, one year, so one day, three and a half years ago, I was in Ethiopia, and we pulled over to uh, what would people call a rest stop to, to use the restroom, which means a bunch of trees on the side of the road. And um, I was actually walking, waiting for our team. And I was walking under this very large, beautiful acacia tree. And I, I had a vision from the Lord and it wasn't audible, but it was uh, very clear. I always tell people for me, an experience like that is more clear than an audible voice. I knew what God was telling me. What he said was really interesting. He said, I want you to go to Dallas, Texas. I want you to go to this specific conference and I want you to take your minivan. And I want you to take these people with you. I'm like, that's very specific. So I wrote it down and I you know, prayed about it. And I asked the people that were on the trip. Some of them were on the trip. Some of them weren't that God told me to put in that, in that minivan. So as soon as I got back, I asked everybody and we signed up and we drove the minivan to, to this conference in Texas that I had been at before. It was a missions conference. And we get there, and the, uh, we actually got there late because I forgot about the time change. So we drove from California to Dallas, and it was two hours different. So we got there right when the conference started. And we're sitting in one row, and the people on stage was a gentleman named uh, Brian King. And he was interviewed by uh, Troy Cooper. Mm -hmm. I had not met either one of these gentlemen before in my life. But what he was doing was hearing Brian's story. And Brian's story was my story exactly, but he was about a year ahead of me. So I'm listening very intently. He was a, a legacy pastor, a pastor involved in a, a typical church that um, was loved Jesus, that was serving and preaching the word and cared about lostness, but he was disgruntled. There was something about his story that was like, there's something more, even though he was missional and it was just my story. So I'm listening very intently and Troy starts to interview him about his journey and movement and no place left. And I'm really listening. And he started talking about the, the Ephesians 4 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And it was at that moment, I believe, the Holy Spirit spoke to all eight of us. And simultaneously, I looked to my right and I looked to my left. And the, the, what we were hearing from them was, you can do this here in, in America, what we've been really doing in other parts of the world. For some reason, it never dawned on us that we are a, a mission field and we can go after church planning movement right in Long Beach, California. Mm. And so we said, we got to find that guy, Troy. So we hunted him down afterwards. It took us till about 1030 that night to get a meeting with him. And he had Augie and uh, yeah, Scuba, his whole team was there. And Jeff Sundell was there in the background, actually. And so we all, we kind of, there was about, yeah, all eight of us came into this living room and we said, uh, we really believe God's called us to do this. And Troy vetted me right away. And I appreciated that. He says, there's three requirements. He said, the first requirement is you have to have a heart for lostness. I said, you know, I really believe we have a heart for lost people. He says, okay. The second is you have to have a God-sized vision. I said, well, we'll get one. was my answer. But he said this third one, and what's interesting, I talked to Troy later. He said he's never shared this third one with any other church, any other person. He said the third requirement is you can't care what happens to your church. Mm-hmm. And that was providential because I was on a journey where I have gone just recently gone through an awful lot of pain and disillusionment with our church. And I'm a shepherd. When If you cut me, I bleed shepherd. And I'm, I'm loyalist. And I was... Severely hurt. I won't get into it, but severely hurt by people I'd known for 25 years. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I was done. And um, in a good sense. And so when Troy said that, I immediately said, I don't care. Two years prior, I would have cared. So God would, had prepared my heart and the heart of my team for that moment. Mm-hmm. And so we say, he's, Troy said, okay, here's what you do. There's, we're actually doing our first training in, in Pasadena, down the freeway. And so he invited us. So a month later, a month and a half later, we showed up at this gospel conversations training and um, went through the training, uh, learned the four fields, uh, learned uh, the um, 411, went out into the harvest. And uh, God just spoke to each one of us. We brought at that point, went from eight. We brought another five. So there were 13 of us. And what was interesting is that next that night. For some reason, Troy invited me to a kind of a debrief with leadership. And I didn't know why, but I went. And my wife couldn't come. And I came back from that. And my wife said, how did that go? And I said, I found my tribe. Mm. I, I, it, was, it was so powerful. I said, I found the people that I didn't know I was looking for. And um, I was a pastor for most of my life, but I'd never found people that had a heart like these people had, at least in America. So what we did, we said, we're going to, we're going to do this. And, and even driving back from Texas, we were praying and we started fasting and praying and we started going into the harvest and we were uh, praying for lostness. And we were going in door to door in Long Beach and North Orange County, sharing the gospel. And we did that for a while. Uh, uh, Rick Priato was coaching us, and uh, he on the Zoom call, he would call us, and we'd say, well, we're doing this, we're doing this. He said, oh, you haven't done this. And, and I really, anybody who's involved in, in movement, I highly recommend just finding really good coaches 
that was just, just continues to be life-giving to me. And Rick was just great at that. And one thing we weren't doing is we weren't meeting as church. We we're going into the harvest and we were praying for lostness, but we weren't meeting as church, what we call simple church. That's the phrase we use. Three-thirds, some people use that phrase. And so we said, okay, so we planted one in my living room, and that's been two and a half years ago, two years ago, two years and a month ago. So we planted one in my living room. And in that meantime, I took about a month off to just focus my mind. And I went to Haiti to learn from Jacob Vi, mm-hmm. see what was happening down there. Spent some time with Curtis Sargent. Yeah. Who I've always respected his writings. And, mm. and then we planted that church in my home. I, I, I planted a, a church with Curtis phrases as a leadership pod. He said, there's, there's two kinds. There's churches out of the harvest that you can plant. And then there's churches of leaders that you believe are already equipped to go ahead and plant one in their own sphere of influence. So I went with the leadership pod because we hadn't had any new disciples out of the harvest yet. So now two years later, we have five streams uh, coming directly out of that church. So we planted five different churches and then one other that planted out of that, just out of that church. And we still meet. And now we have people from the harvest meeting with us in, in, in that church as well. And so we have, I guess that would be third generation, depending if you, you know. And so um, in the meantime, that's been given us this. We've, we've approached our, our church, our, our larger church bridges. And I went back to my elders and I said, look. I'm going to do this. I want to do this. We're elder-driven church. I submit to you guys. I want to do this, but um, I want to do it here, but I'm going to do this. And they said, you, we need to do this. So as a church, we embrace this vision of no place left. We embrace whatever that takes. And we've learned a lot during along the way on how to bring some people along at a different pace than others. We're still learning that. Um, what have you learned, J- JT? Well, I learned that it's not uh, wise to to um, compare ministries. And I've always had a fairly healthy heart for the bride. So I don't think we ever bashed what people did. But when when I get enthusiastic about movement and I come back to a, a community that and say this is if I said erroneously at times, this is where we really need to do. And this is kind of insinuate this is really ministry. What I'm telling those people is but what you're doing isn't, or what you're doing isn't as significant. And um, I've just learned through the years, um, for two years now, that, uh, you know, some people just need to to, uh, embrace change differently and slowly, but it's still what they're doing. If it's of the Lord and they're proclaiming truth, Mm. it's the bride of Christ. And so um, some just ran with us right away. Some I call the second wave. We're kind of in that second wave now. Most of the rest of the church are now saying, yeah, they're not, they're not, this isn't going away. They're going to continue to do this. And, but now the difference, um, Steve, is we have work to point to. We can point to eight churches that God's planted. So in 20 years of existence at Bridges, we've sent out just a handful of pastors to start their own churches. In two years, we planted eight churches with no budget, and it's impacting the culture all around us, and they've already reached another generation past. And so we ha- we can point to the work, whereas before it was just theory initially, it, you know, no one had anything to look to. So we learned that, um, point to the work and point to the scriptures, and um, 
yeah, those are some of the things we learned to make sure that um, some people run it at a, a slower pace. Somebody, some people want to sprint with this. And so to help with that difference, we started a residency in January. Um, a residency is just letting the people that want to run, giving them a rhythm to run with. And so each residency has two hours. They commit to two hours in the harvest a week, two hours um, in a three-thirds simple church model a week, and then two hours training a week. And so, and we have a leadership that we have curriculum we study as well, mostly the scriptures and actually we read your book. <laughs> was one of the books. And so uh, we're, we're almost finishing up that year of residency. And what that's done, it's given people a path to run with that want to run, but it doesn't leave everyone else behind and say, this isn't the only thing we're doing as a church community. So those are some things we've learned and really helped. We're looking forward to starting in our second year residency because we learned a lot there too and how to do that better next year. But the cool thing, Steve, is out of that residency with no... Nobody in January was planning on going. The purpose of the residency is to train church planters and then to train them up and be practitioners here so that hopefully that God might send them either to the nations or to their neighbors. But we want to train church planters. But we've already sent um, an individual to Mexico full time. We have two more that are raising support to go full time into the nations as well. And that came directly out of that, that residency. And so it was very exciting to see what's happened. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's what we're, we're working on now, that second year of residency, and just trying to come alongside those church planters that have planted these other churches and these other streams and uh, learn from each other. And uh, we continue to get a lot of coaching. Um, really, the Coopers have moved out here. Uh, Mike Puckett and, and Kelly have moved out here. The Priados have moved out here. And they've been really, they've been coaches, but they haven't run the team. They've kind of made sure that our local locals run the team. And I think that's been very wise and strategic and helpful to us. Um, they're dear friends and we do a lot with them, but they made sure that they weren't kind of taking over what we're doing. They let us learn the hard lessons as we go. Yeah. What, uh, you said to learn some important lessons, see, let uh, lessons from the year one residency, mm -hmm. year two will be different. So what are some of those lessons? Uh, well, uh, what we learned was unless you meet on a regular basis with everyone who signed up for the residency, um, it's difficult to keep people on board. So we had a lot more people sign up than could meet with us regularly. And the people who didn't meet with us regularly really kind of felt out as outsiders. So we need to remedy that. Another thing we learned is we didn't really keep track of the reading and talk about that. We just kind of assigned it. And so we're like, you know, there has to be discussion to keep people engaged in, in some of the reading, especially the, the long chunks of scripture. Um, what else? We just talked about that this morning, so it's fresh in my mind. I, I think we learned that some people do better being held accountable to commitment, and some people will tend to think that that's heads towards legalism. So finding a balance and temperament and background. Some people had different religious backgrounds there where holding someone accountable sounds legalistic. For some people, they're like, I, if you don't hold me accountable, I struggle. And so just really figuring that out. What does that look like? Uh, one thing we learned this year is everybody in the residency has a role on the Long Beach team. 
And that's been extremely helpful. So we have someone who keeps track and they're the tracker. So they keep track of all the, all the commitments and they map it out. So there are mappers. We have another person who's the communicator, another person who's the recruiter, another person is just connecting churches in Long Beach that are interested in movement. Another person, this, this guy's gold, his job is to help the people from Bridges continue to give them on-ramps into movement. And he's taking those ones who aren't in the residency and helping them come, you know, find ways into movement. So everyone has a role. And that's, been, that's when we really started to accelerate. Um, so that, that was a big lesson to learn as well. Yeah. What was the intake in year one? The intake in? A number of people in the residency. Oh, okay. Uh, we started with 16 people. Mm. Yes. And how about what are you expecting for year two? I, my guess is we'll probably have uh, close to that number. Some will not do it a second year. And, but I think we have some others that want to jump in. So I, I think it'll be pretty close, is my guess. Um, I'm on a quest, I call them pastors of peace. And I think we have a window between when a pastor feels dis something's disgruntled, but he's not discouraged. And that's the kind of the sweet spot. And so those that seem to be the ones who are the most receptive, that are willing to, to listen to another, just a different approach. And I, I'm very careful to say this isn't the only approach, but we believe it's it's much closer to the biblical model, and it's a way to reach our um, – statistically, it is the way to, to reach Long Beach. Um, I mean, much more so. But, yeah, so I'm looking for people that want some some training and some help and um, but aren't so discouraged that they're disgruntled with, with the church. And, um, you know, honestly, Steve, a lot of my peers – and I've been doing this – long time i've been just a local pastor for a long time a lot of my peers they're not in the ministry they're selling insurance or they're good people and some of them have actually struggled but there's something about the model uh, and the pressure on a pastor in america that i just i think it's impossible to fulfill and what i found with movement it doesn't it's not personality driven at all it's it's christ driven it's focused on the body of christ and if I don't, if I'm not able to make it, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Church still happens, and in 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 the in the, in the movement model, in the, in the simple church model, and that's just very refreshing. And I think it's much more sustaining for leadership, at least so far. Um, what we are, what we're praying about, is what does it look for sustainable churches. And that's that's kind of the, the new lesson we're, we're really searching into, you know, because we've only been at it two years and we've had two churches that didn't didn't continue. And we track that too. what happened there. Why was that? Yeah. So what's God put on your heart now for um, your patch there uh, in, in Southern California? Yeah, my heart is that I'm praying that we'll be able to multiply residencies and we'll be able to connect. And we've seen that in Southern California. We, I think we have five. Well, just in Los Angeles, we have. Um, well, we went from in, in, Amer in California, went from five to 45 in the last two years. So there are teams and we're networking with them. We're trying to figure out our rhythm there. But our, my, I guess my passion is to continue to connect with like minded people to learn from them and to see residencies multiply in each city 
our passion, we wake up every morning and our, our passion is there's 1.4 million people in Long Beach and North Orange County that are far from God. So that's our God-sized mission. We want them, each one of them, to hear the gospel from our mouth to their ear. So that's our that's what we get up for every morning. We can't do that for with the churches we have now. It has to multiply. It has to push downstream. And we have to, and I think, I have a passion for, for pastors of what people call legacy churches to really, um, to really have a heart to say, wait a minute, if we don't multiply, we're never going to reach this culture. And so I'm looking for that, for people like that, that I can come alongside and work with, teach, but work with. And um, I think the resources are there. Yeah. So what, what would you encourage them in? Those uh, pastors of existing churches that they, they want to see multiplication come out of the life of their church, but they don't want to blow their church up either. The first thing to do is be a practitioner. Be someone who goes into the harvest regularly, that has a rhythm. Start a church in your home. I think if you did those two things and brought people along with you, that's the first step. And um, as they start to look at the work, then in, as you invite people into the work and coach them, I would say get good coaching. The coaching is available. They're out there. There are people that will come alongside. So don't, don't, um, don't settle. If you can't find it, keep asking because it's out there. Um, and then I would say um, spend time with people of like-mindedness because it's, it's lonely. You'll get discouraged. Um, and try not to use words or phrases like this is, you know, we've, this is the right way because that's comparison. Or this is the only way or we finally found the biblical way to do ministry. I call that bride bashing. And it's, it's subtle, but it's, it's not right. And, and so even if your intentions are right, you can, you can harm somebody if you're not careful um, and really discredit faithful ministry over the year. You know, what's been really helpful for me is what we call the Great Commission Pipeline. And um, if, if someone could get a hold of that, I'm sure you could look it up. But when I saw the diagram of the Great Commission Pipeline, I said, why can't a, a legacy church be that, that hub? A movement hub. When I gave our church the vision of saying, you know what, we are a movement hub. And our little church, you know, we don't have large numbers. We have a movement, we have a hub right here. And God's allowed us to plant eight churches now in less than two years. And we already have a field hub in Ethiopia. We're starting one in Mexico City. We have one in, in Mozambique. We have these field hubs and we see movement there. We've seen thousands of churches planted through where we have a part in that. And, and helping people see that, wow, there is a, a, a strong need and purpose for this legacy church. So if that goes away, you're not going to have these hubs going out there. And when people saw that bigger vision and where they fit, it gave worth to the person that sets up the chairs on Sundays and gave worth to the person that says, I want to lead our community in worship. And I think that I, I personally believe, Steve, that a combination is the answer to a lot of, of how we're going to reach America. Mm. And there's, there's some great churches out there that don't do house movement. And there's some great house churches that don't do a larger gathering. But I, I felt like, man, if we could do both in a, in a healthy way without compromising vision, I really think it's possible. 
And so I would encourage anybody in a, in a legacy situation to seek out coaching and, and try to find a way. Uh, and there's, we have zoom calls of people that we're, we're working this out mm-hmm. on a regular basis, different pastors all over the country. And we're talking about how do we make this happen? And it's happening. And there's a lot of people farther ahead than we are that I learned a lot from. Brian King's one of them, mm-hmm. for sure. So, Brian, you've been on this uh, this journey. How how have you changed mm-hmm. over the course of it? That's a great question. I think I've changed because I've seen new disciples have a place right away. Um, quick story. There's a gentleman named Larry. Uh, I own a business. He's a client, you know, and he was in crisis and I shared the gospel with him and he ends up following, start to follow Jesus. And he starts coming to our church on Thursday nights in my home. And, and he said, uh, about two weeks into it, he says, second time he goes, what's harvest? What's that mean? You know, and we explained to him, we have, yeah, we have terminology and we explained it to him. Well, that was a month ago, a month and a half ago. Last week, you know what his goals were? I need to sow more more in the harvest. So I just see this gentleman. In fact, I'm meeting him this evening to go through another command of Christ. And his wife says, I think she said he she thinks he joined a cult. Hmm. And so when he was telling me this, I started being apologetic. And he goes, no, I'm not worried about her. I want you to teach me how to lead her to Jesus. I don't care what she thinks about. This is real. And I, and I say, man, I'm, I'm giving my life to this. This is what I'm giving my life to. And because Larry said, he goes, I could go to a, a church. And he says, but you know what, JT? I've been to, I went to 13 schools in 12 years of my life. I've never known my father. And I've always been insecure. He says, I can go to a larger gathering. He says, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous there. He says, but in your living room, I'm, I feel safe. And I think he feels safe, not because we're great people. He feels safe because the love of Christ, he has to interact with us. He has to interact with the scriptures because he can't just sit, listen, and leave. And so I've changed in, um, because I feel like now when I make disciples, I have a place to immediately put them. I really believe the call is to make disciples and churches are a place for those disciples. And and, and when I I see it that way, church planning has a face and it has has a name. And it's Larry and it's Joe and it's Rachel and it's these people. And it's not an institution. And it's and you know what we're doing with them? We're teaching them to be church planters. We're not teaching them just to be a part of the church. They are the church. And so um, I've changed that way. I've changed because I found my tribe. I really have. It's very life-giving. And the coolest thing is, oh, one quick story. My son said this, this sums it up really well. So my son has gone to Ethiopia with us most of, most of his life. And so right around February, we start to train for a large trip in the summer that he would go on. And as we were training this uh, two years, like the one year into the movement, he said, you know what, Dad? Usually right around this time, spiritual warfare starts really cranking up. And we'd see just a lot of resistance because we're getting ready for this trip. Because you know what? Now, Dad, it's all the time. There's always spiritual warfare. I'm like, you've nailed it, Colson. Exactly. There's spiritual warfare because we're engaged in the harvest all the time. And that, that's how it's transforming my family. It's how it's transforming our church. And that's something that's going to Visit movements.net and follow the links to some of the resources that Jeff refers to. To 
This has been episode 205 of the Movements Podcast, and I'm Steve Addison. Steve Addison.